This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to start something and we'll just get going. I want to establish it and get a foundation and then I'll get into it in a little bit more detail next week. But I want to speak about something I've titled Free to Be Myself. Free to Be Myself. Um, <laughs> so we have an interesting story in front of us kind of unfolding. And so we, we're not... British, obviously. So, but the funny thing is, even though we're across the ocean, we get to kind of witness what's happening. And so we have this big story unraveling between a scoundrel and his brother. We have William and Harry. William and Harry. So, what's interesting about William and Harry is William and Harry were both born into royalty. William and Harry are both children of Charles. Children of Charles. But each of them is kind of made a decision that they want to run their own path and they're doing their own thing. And the thing with it is, is when you're born into royalty, you have access to some stuff that nobody else has access to. You don't get it because you're a nice person. You don't get it because you're accomplished. You don't get it because you're a person who becomes a billionaire. You don't have access to any of it unless you're born into it. It's all about lineage. You're either born in or there's no participating. Both of them were born into it. And they were born into it. And part of the thing that goes when you're born into royalty is you're born into an identity that you have no clue what it really is. And part of the responsibility that goes in raising them up is to introduce them to who they really are as royal members. And it's been interesting because both of them have traveled a very similar path until they kind of hit a point where they went in opposite directions. And Harry decided that he had been exposed and he was kind of, he was always one who was, who was fighting at the edge. He was always one who was being introduced to who he was and what it was all about, but he wanted to blaze his own trail and he wanted to do his own thing. And he didn't want to, uh, to allow his full immersion into royalty to define who he was. And so what ended up happening is ultimately he lost and moved out of the royal threshold and he lost all the benefits. And the fact of the matter is not that he was directly in line, but he, would never, he will never be king. He will never be king. And in contrast to that, we have somebody like William. William is, being the older brother, is probably a lot more responsible, and he does his thing. But born into it, the thing is, what he does is, his journey from the moment he was born is a journey of destiny. He was born to take the crown. He was born to sit on the throne. And the responsibility that the parents have is that as he walks his journey is to introduce him to who he is. Every step in every chapter of his journey is about an unfolding of who he really is. It's already been established. It's already been laid out before him. Everything that he's walking into is an understanding and an uncovering, a revelation of his identity and who he is. Why? Because his identity is what's going to equip him and what's going to allow him to be able to embrace his destiny to sit on the throne it's really important for him to be able to be defined and walk into a strong identity because if you walk into your destiny without a strong identity it's very hard to maintain it it's very hard to maintain it
The thing is, his grooming and his invitation, his grooming and the revelation of who he's to be is not something that's designed to squish him and to take away his personality and who he is. It's designed to be something which undergirds him and reinforces him, but allows him the full expression of his personality in that context. Every king who sits on the throne has a different personality and that personality will come out. They're not all clones of one another, but they're all established to inherit the throne it's an interesting thing because we are born into some stuff with God and when we're born into some things with God he always wants to take us and he's always introducing into our life blessing and the thing about our journey with God is I've begun to realize how significant and how, sig- and, and how um, poignant certain things are the one thing is this it's a journey Our life with God is a journey. It's a continual unfolding of who we are, a recognition of who he is and what we're all about. It's something that you're going to be born into. This is why being born again is important. It's the same as royalty. You're either born into it or you're not. The reason that it's important to be born again is because when the life of God comes on the inside of us and takes up residence on that, when you become a new creation in Christ, who you are, you don't really understand and know. None of us do. The whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to begin begin to unveil that to us. It's interesting because the boys were born of Charles. And being born of the king, it set them up for an inheritance as they got older that they began to recognize, embrace, and step into. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 says, His spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You are a child of God. The reason when when you get born again, you become a brand new creation in Christ and God comes and puts his spirit on the inside of you is we have no clue who what we've been born into. It's the responsibility of the Spirit who's with us to introduce us to revelation. Revelation is a continual journey where what he's doing is he's taking aspects of who we are and what's been put on the inside of us, and he's sitting saying, let's use a little bit of illumination here. Let me show you something about who you are, something who you were created to be. It's important that you see this. It's important that you allow this to give definition to who you are because it's going to be something that's going to equip you for your journey and for your destiny. When you start looking at things like revelation and the way that the Spirit works with us, we begin to understand why it's so important to live from revelation as opposed to knowledge. You see, knowledge doesn't change your identity. Revelation does. It's not about what's happening in your head. The whole point about revelation is to take the truth of who you really are and to expose that and reveal it to you and sit and say, here is something new for you to live from. Here is something for you to take and to embrace, and and it'll change who you are and what you're all about. What I find is so often in life, unless we prepare to embrace and work with God, what ends up happening is God puts blessings in our life with regularity. And unless we're at a place where we're walking closely with him, number one, he finds it hard sometimes to bless us, unless we're in relationship with him. Why? Because the thing is, we don't believe him for certain things. God is looking to bless us, but we we can't partner with him because we don't believe it. All things are possible to him that believes. But the other side to that coin is we limit the possibilities if we don't believe. 
So God is wanting to do something on the inside of us so that we're able to partner with him. But the other thing is this. God is growing us up and God is establishing us in our, in our identity so that as he blesses us in our life, we're able to take his blessings, embrace those blessings, recognize those blessings, and we're able to steward those blessings. Let me give you an example. If you were to win the lottery tomorrow, and God was to give you $100 million, how effectively could you manage that money? Everybody thinks that they'd do great at it. But if history and statistics are anything to go by, most people lose it. Why? It's How can you lose that much money? How can you burn through that much money and have nothing to show for it? You know why? Because I wasn't established in my identity. I never had the skill sets necessary to be able to embrace the blessing, hold on to the blessing, and steward the blessing. And so what ends up happening is all too often, it's like throwing money straight into a bucket, uh, water into a bucket that's got no bottom. It just goes straight through. God will bless you with things in life, and sometimes you don't even recognize that blessing because who I am has not walked into a place where I'm able to recognize it and steward it effectively. Hold tight. Just put your hands on your seat. Take a deep breath and smile. Sometimes one of the biggest blessings in your life are things that you don't recognize. God may have blessed you with the most fabulous husband and wife or wife. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's, all the husbands and wives missed the opportunity there to say a quick amen. But you don't always recognize that. In what are we today? February, March, April. In two months, Sarah and I will have been married for 20 years. I know, that's what I think. Yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting because it was an interesting time. 20 years is a long time. And there have been like really good patches and there have been really rough time patches. But the funny thing about it is, in that space, you stay together because there's a learning and there's a growing that happens in that. And most people don't want to do that. You've got to decide, listen, this is between you and God and what you want to journey. Well, the point I'm making is this. Sometimes God brings somebody into our life, and actually he's bring, brought them into our life as a blessing. The problem with it is I don't know how to deal with conflict effectively. I'm not established in who I am. I'm codependent in the way that I treat them. I'm looking for them to feed me and make me happy. I'm looking, looking, looking. I'm feasting off them. All my dispositions, all of who I am, sets up a situation where the blessing that came into my life is basically sabotaged and undermined because of who I am. And then I don't understand why things are in such conflict and disarray. You know what the funny thing is? It's never me. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I've, one of the most wonderful things or the most interesting things about counseling is this. I've yet to hear a person walk in and say, man, have I just messed up royally. It's, they come in and they tell you all the things about why their partner is such a wretch and so terrible. And then you think, oh, and then the other one comes in and tells you the same thing. The point is this. Where I'm going to is this. God wants to raise you up and God wants to do some stuff in your life. God is going to heal you. He's going to make you whole. He's going to introduce you to the fullness of who you are. He's going to introduce you to all the blessings that he wants for your, for your life. And as you journey with him, he's going to begin to pepper your life with blessings all the way along. Why? Because he wants to put me at a place as I grow with him where I begin to recognize his blessings, identify them in my life. I'm able to embrace them and I'm able to steward them effectively. Grow! Don't stay as you are.
If you stay as you are, you're going to get blessings where you are. If you want to get more blessings and bigger blessings, go somewhere with God. Go somewhere with God. This is a rhetorical question, but I, I'm going, I, I want to go some places and just, just, just sit back and relax. When was the last time God did something material in your life? When was the last time you can sit and say, you know what? I used to be this. I, I can see I'm a different person. Don't, I, I'm glad you praise God and I'm glad you read your Bible. And I'm not talking about those things. I, I want to get to like where the rubber meets the road today. What has he done in your life where you can say, I am a different person because of that? And when was the last time you can sit and have a look at something and say, you know what? I've changed because of him. When was the last time he did something in your life, in your environment? And it's good. He should be doing that. But I want you to see it because I can tell you now there are plenty of Christians who I believe have a great love for God and a relationship with God and they want all that God has got for them. The problem with it is if you talk to them today and you talk to them in 10 years' time, they're exactly the same. If I took the label of Christian off you and I had a look at your world and your life, does it look different to your neighbors who are not born again? Do you live differently and do you experience God every day or with regularity? Amen. God has very practical ways that I believe that he wants to work with us. And I think sometimes what ends up happening is we don't always recognize what he wants to do because we just discount them. We're too busy living to actually appreciate and value what it is to be. But sometimes it's in looking at the being as opposed to just the functionality that we actually take the time to interrogate some things and grow. The reason that I believe we, your identity is so important is this. You are a soul. I cannot tell you how important that is. I'm sorry, I, got a cord. I, got a cord. I had a cord. I cannot tell you how important that is. God breathed breathed his breath God breathed spirit into flesh and man became a living soul do you know what a living soul is it's a unique creature say that's me there is no other creature including God that is both spirit and flesh everything created on the earth is flesh I'm sorry, but your dog does not have a spirit. I know, because he's not a soul. What is he? He's created with a brain, and so he can function in the, in the environment, but he has no spirit. So when he dies, sorry. But we, it's a long way down the way. The point I'm making is this. What I'm trying to point out to you is this, the significance of being a living soul. You are in a place that is unique because you get to straddle the divide between two different realms, between two different areas. You're able to get into the spirit realm and you're able to engage the spirit realm and you're able to meet with the spirit and you're able to get from the spirit and you're able to engage all that happens in the spirit dimension because I'm part spirit and I'm able to engage flesh in this place because I was born into the world and so I have a brain and I can learn and I can grow and I can sense and I can feel and I can touch and I can think and I have all of this stuff at my, at my disposal and when I pull the two together that's who I am a living soul
A living soul is unique. The reason that's important is this. In our life with God, which is spirit, I am the bridge between spirit and natural. Anything, but people go into the environment and, and there's a challenge and there's a situation and somebody's sick and there's something going on in the space. And it's like, well, where is God? You know what you should say? Why? Because you're the temple. You're the temple. The disciples are going across and they're out on the water and all of a sudden a storm comes up and things are so terrible and they're like, we need help. Jesus, where are you? And he says, I'm in the boat. I'm right here. He's in the temple. He's in the temple. He didn't tell you that you were the temple for no reason. He wants you to become overtly aware of the fact that where I go, God goes. And when people say, where is God? I should be saying, I I brought him with me. What they're really saying is, what is he going to do here? Let me say something here. Don't go and save the world. Uh, Just listen to what I'm saying. Because I used to think this. I'll show you how silly I was. People always want to think about, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to be like the next crusader and I'm going to go and, and I'm, going to be, I'm, I'm going to be the next person who's going to like turn the world upside down. And, and maybe I thought about that a little bit and then I thought, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. Because I thought about it and I thought about, you know what, you know what's important for me? My wife, my kids, I love them. One of the happiest times of my entire day is when I get to go home and spend time with them. I don't want to spend eight months of the year on the road. We all want to go and do all of this stuff, but we don't think about the price. Make sure you're cold. The point that I'm trying to say to you is this. Maybe God isn't looking for another Billy Graham. Maybe he's not looking for another Catherine Coleman. Maybe what he's looking for is somebody who says, you know what? I know what's important to me. And what if I was to take God into my family, into my marriage, just there, apart from before I get into their schools or my workspace? Or in, what if I was just to take him in there? You think you want your world to change? That's great. Shall I tell you something? Everything that you take into that environment comes with you. Those variables stay there. If you want to change your world, change the variables. Change what you bring in. God wants to do some stuff in your life. God wants to work with you in some meaningful ways. Why? Because what you take into your world, what you take into your marriage, what you take in to raise your kids, if it shifts and it changes, it changes. Oh Lord, I wish you would do something. I'm in the temple. Stop asking me for to do something in your relationship. Come to me and say, fix me. Oh, dear Lord. Everybody. So we we have a rule here. You don't get married here unless you do marriage counseling. Because it's the biggest commitment of your life. And you need to know what you're getting into. And so you left with this thought. Here it is. Here's the parting thought. Don't change your partner and don't try. If you can't live with them as they are right now, don't get married. Oh, 
imposter. We're never going to change them. I know. The first thing they do after they say, I do, we do, we all do, is they get in the car and what's the first thing they try and do? Change them. Get married to someone who is spiritual. Don't tell me you're a Christian. That's not good enough. If I'm going to marry you, you better have a meaningful relationship with God. Listen to me because I'll tell you why. You will be happy without this. Trust me. This is your main thing with marriage counseling. If you're a guy, a guy is not interested. Woman go like, you see, I know this is, I promise you, this, this is not politically correct, but it just is what it is. Most men, most men, I want to tell you about how clever I am and how I think about things and how deep I am about stuff. And I want you to know this, that, that, and blah, blah, and there's and you will check on blah, 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 blah. And men are like, okay, but are you hot? <laughs> Seriously. I'm not saying you shouldn't be all of those wonderful things. What I'm saying is men are pretty elementary. The problem with it is men are led too often by their flesh. And men are led too often by attraction and lust. And it's like, oh, it's so delicious. The problem with it is deliciousness turns into a monster. <laughs> and then you're like, I can't believe this. What happened? You know why? You never got any deeper than skin deep. Seriously, this is real stuff. Men, I'll tell you why men think slightly differently. Because men kind of go, okay, I work. I'm self-sustaining. Uh, uh, I can take care of myself. I can, I'm not looking for somebody to go and do that. I can do that. I'm just telling you how men think. It's probably 100% wrong. It's okay. I'm one of them. So I, all I'm telling you is our motivation is not always good. And I'm not sure that women's is always either when it comes to somebody else. But I can't comment on that because I'm not one. Well, I could, but I won't. The point is this. Our motivation is so wrong. But you know what? When you get into the, into the fray and you suddenly realize that you have the monster there. And then it's complicated because now you remember your words from counseling. I can't change them. It's like, is this what I'm stuck with for the rest of my life? <laughs> if you choose a partner, not who's Christian, that's not good enough. If you choose a partner who has a meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit, you don't need to change them. He'll do the job for you. Actually, if you choose a partner who has a meaningful relationship with God, get out of the way because usually you're in the way of them growing. If you just take your hands off and sit and say, Father, I just leave them up to you. You know what? He begins to work in our lives and he changes us and he does some stuff in our lives and, and we shift and we, not because anybody else is coercing us, not because we feel obligated, but because he comes in and he kind of says, that wasn't very cool. Why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? How did, why'd you treat it like that way? Just, what is he doing? I'm changing your identity. Because if I change who you are, I'll change the environment you're in. If I change who you are, I'll change your marriage. If I change who you are, you'll be a better parent. Every time something happens in an environment, it's a stimulus and it's a litmus test of where you are. Don't put your eyes on anybody else. Keep it on yourself. Why did you respond that way? 
I don't know. Go and find out. Why? Because it's important for me to understand who I am. Because when I know who I am and I know what I'm about, I can look at some stuff and sit and say, that's not what he wanted for me. Hold on, this is out of order. Hold on, I'm putting a hurry here. I'm running off on my, by, by myself and I'm not sitting allowing the Holy Spirit to introduce me to who I truly am. I'm going to speak next week about choices. All of choices in life are not that difficult. Sometimes just make a choice and do the right one. I'll speak about that next week. The point is this. You are the bridge between the temple and the inhabitant of the temple and the world you live in. And your ability to be able to connect with God, be with God, hear from God, speak to God, hear his voice and allow him to have influence through you is completely dependent on you. Your ability to be able to embrace his blessing in your life and steward it effectively is completely dependent on you. He'll do some stuff, but what you do with it is completely up to you. Is that the time? Who's been yakking this long? People want to know who they are. People want to know who they are. Who am I? I'll speak about this next week as well. God created us with that intentionally. Because you know what? You never find out who you are outside of him. Jeremiah, versus, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What God is saying is this. I will withhold who I am from you and I'll put you on a search. I'm waiting. And you know what the funny thing is? People are looking for who they are. People are looking for fulfillment. People are looking for a whole bunch of stuff, but they're not necessarily looking for God. And that's okay, because you know what? It's called your journey of discovery. And sometimes you think, I know, if I go and I get this job, that's what it is that'll fulfill me. And you know what very often is the best antidote to that? Give them what they want. Have the job. And you have the job for a period of time and suddenly you discover, ah, well, maybe if I have a bigger job, maybe if I have a bigger check, it's the check, that's what I need. And so you get the check and then you suddenly discover, well, it's good, it's okay, but it's not really me. We're on a journey. And the thing about it is God is always there and he's always part of the journey. And he's waiting for you to reach the stage where you reach the point where you sit and say, okay, I've exhausted all these options. I've exhausted all of this other stuff, but I kind of haven't got the place yet. I haven't got to that fulfillment. I don't feel like I really know who I am and what I'm all about. And when you start looking in that place, you start looking outside of yourself, outside of your world, and you start looking upwards. And suddenly, you open the door to some stuff that you least expected. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What's it all about? It's all about, you know what? At our most elementary stage, we're looking for the basics of what it is to survive as a human being. And you get the food sorted out and you get uh, all that. It's it's a whole stepping process. But where does it culminate? Self-actualization. Once I've got everything, when I've achieved everything, once I'm secure, once I have everything that I need, it's like, and what now? What's it all about? Built into us is the need to discover who I am. 
And you'll never find that anywhere outside of God. Your journey may take you places and may lead you certain places, but it'll never get you. Um, it'll never fulfill you like he will. So we're introduced to this idea that one of the most important relationships that you will have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You didn't think about that, did you? The relationship you have with yourself. We assume responsibility for our lives. You see, the other side to the coin of getting into anybody else's life and telling them what it is that they should be doing is assuming responsibility for mine. Too many people never assume responsibility for their life. They just jump life, situation to situation, circumstance to circumstance, and they just deal with stuff. But they never stop for a moment. They're never intentional about sitting saying, hold on a second, let me do a quick audit on what's happening here. People are more aware of what's happening in their finances than they are of what's happening in their life. They can tell you, they can balance their checkbook, they'll tell you how much money is sitting in the account, they'll tell you what you want to know. But if you ask them some stuff about themselves, they're oblivious. Because we know about the other things, but we don't take stock of who we are. I'm not for a moment suggesting that we become introspective, because there's an inherent danger in that. The thing is, I don't have the solutions to myself. But the thing is, there is a place for me to be aware of where I am, to be aware of what I'm thinking, to be aware of my behaviors, to be aware of what I'm putting and investing into my environment and sitting saying, okay, is that healthy? Is it constructive? Am I an agent of change and transformation? Or is it destructive in some way? And if it's not healthy, there's a place for me to sit and say, fine, I know that the solution isn't in me, it's in him. So I take that to him and I do something with that. Self-awareness is an incredibly important aspect. The ability to step out of myself and look at a situation objectively. It's funny, I know some people who are very highly emotionally charged. And it's one of their biggest challenges. They cannot see stuff. They, they get so enmeshed in it and so emotionally entangled in it that they, they lack the ability to be able to step back and have a look at it objectively. Self-awareness is the ability to be able to do that. It's really important for us because as we move through life, we need to be able to step back from situations and sit and say, what do I learn in this? Nothing is accidental in God's economy. Nothing. And God takes every situation and every circumstance that you encounter and he uses it for his benefit. Don't waste the challenge. Don't waste the valley experience. Don't waste the things that are, that are confronting you on an everyday basis. Don't waste that argument that you had with your wife. Don't waste the confrontation with your teenage kid. Learn from it. The worst thing that we ever do is we look at everybody else. And we're so busy looking at everybody else and what the problem is there, we've never stopped to get self-awareness. What, 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 what can I learn in this place? Show me, Holy Spirit, how I, how I could have dealt with this differently. Show me a way because I don't believe that the outcome of this should have been division and friction. It shouldn't have been anger. So if it was that, what was my contribution to this? Show me something so I can deal with it in a different way. We're so quick to point out other people's blind spots, but you know what the irony of that is? You can recognize theirs, and then I sit and think to myself, hold on a second, how many of mine am I completely blind to that they can see of me? Yeah. I'll tell you that, but I'll tell you something good about it. 
If you listen, if you listen, you will learn. I learned something about myself that I didn't believe for the first 106 people who told me. But the 107th, I stopped for a minute and thought about it. They said to me, you know, sometimes your delivery in certain situations is too strong. What are you talking about? And we dismiss it and we move on. It was an opportunity. Don't pass by an opportunity to learn. Not everything people tell you is right. So don't grab hold of everything. What you do is you partner with the Holy Spirit. So when the 107th person tells you, that's your cue to go to the Holy Spirit. And you say, talk to me about this because 107 people have told me this. So it's obviously something that's recurring. What is this all about? Why? Because I'm wanting to shift and I'm wanting to change and I'm wanting to put myself at a place that he can use me effectively in situations where he can have influence in people's lives, where he can touch and he can affect my marriage and my kids and the things that are important to me. And no, it may not turn the world upside down, but it turns my world upside down. And with respect, that's all that matters to me. (laughs) I'll move outside of that at a later date. But for right now, that's where God has me. And I'm okay with that. So we try and find ourselves in different places. One of the things that we, let me just touch on a few things and then I'll I'll carry on next week. We, We try and find ourselves in roles. People try and find themselves in roles. People think that, okay, you know what I can do? Let me just become accomplished as an artist. Let me become a a great business person. Let me become a person who's an excellent teacher. Let me be a great mother. And the problem with that is this, you can invest your whole life in something like that. But if you invest your life in that role, what ends up happening is the role becomes the source of who you are. The role becomes the source of your affirmation and your identity and your value and all of those things. And everything works collectively in that sense. But it's a high risk proposition because it can set you up for catastrophe. I can't tell you how many people I speak to that it's, it's, they spend their lives involved and in their career and it absorbed everything and they did really well and they were accomplished and they were promoted and they were involved in that but the thing about it is it sucked everything into them and there was no time and there was no energy to build other things outside of that they never built and focused on and and pulled out their marriage relationship or their kids relationship or developed an interest or went and worked they never did anything and they so celebrated on this day because it's your retirement day and they woke up the next day and you know what there was nothing nothing Why? Because everything that was invested in was right here. And I hit that point and drop because it ended. And now I have nothing. What am I doing? Where do I start? People use roles to cover up for who they are. People use roles to present themselves to other people so that they look really good. We had a family tragedy. We had somebody who was very accomplished as a sports person, great lacrosse player, played, was invited to go and play for Duke and excelled at it. And she did so well at that. Um, just prolific. The problem with it was that she got an injury and she couldn't perform the way she used to. 
and it ended with some tragic results. But nobody knew what was happening behind the mask. The mask was one of accomplishment and fulfillment and happiness. And everything you looked at was right there. You had no clue that it was actually a mask with so much more that was happening behind there. Nobody knows you like you like you. People want to go everywhere and they, they want to get advice about stuff. And I don't, you know, it, what, what do you think? And they go to their counselors and they go to their therapists and they get together and have lunch parties with their friends. And everybody talks about everything. And everybody chats about everything. And people can tell you what you should do, but people will never tell you who you are. Because nobody knows your heart like you do. And the funny thing about it is, there's some things happening in your heart that you've never shared with anyone. There's some things that are alive on the inside of you that only you and God know. We live in a day and age where youthfulness and looks take precedent. And we've developed a whole generation of people who are so focused on maintaining and holding on to their youthfulness, how they look and how they present themselves and has everything invested in that. And then they want to sit and they want to take pictures of themselves and TikTok when they were 16 and when they were 26 and when they were 76 and they're still trying to have all kinds of jobs done. And the problem with it is this, your youthfulness slips away. You can't stop it. But if you've got too much invested in it, it's a catastrophe. For too many people, they struggle because there's so much invested in that and I can't hold on to it. And you can see the way they present themselves because people look at them and go, it's gone. But you're trying to hold on to it. There's a sadness about it. There's a sadness about it. Don't invest yourself in the wrong things. Be careful what you invest yourself in. Be careful what you allow to define the foundation of your life. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. His spirit bears witness that we are children of God. Do you know what you need to build your life on? You need something that is secure and you need something that is a constant. You need something that is a constant. So whether I'm going through the challenge or I'm trying to deal with this stuff, it's there for me. And when I'm on a high and things are wonderful, it's there for me. And when things are falling apart all around me, it's there for me. What you need is a constant. His spirit bears witness with my spirit that you are a child of God. What he's saying is this, I'm going to introduce you to who you are. That is part of my job. And what I'm going to introduce you to is something which is fundamentally called truth. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter about the circumstance. It doesn't matter about the situation. It doesn't matter where you're looking for affirmation. I can tell you where you can find it. It doesn't matter where you're looking to find a sense of value. I'll tell you where you can find it. It doesn't matter where you're looking to find a sense of fulfillment. I'll tell you where you can find it. The thing about truth is it never changes. It always stays the same. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to introduce you to who he is, if you allow the Holy Spirit to 
introduce you to who he's created you to be. If you allow the Holy Spirit to sit and make truth the foundation of your life, it'll be a constant that'll sit with you, that'll be with you, that'll reinforce you, that'll support you. It'll be something that you can build your life on. I introduce you to truth. Why? Because the thing is, anytime I've got something that's forming my foundation that's not truth, the truth will set you free. And the truth will liberate you to be able to go and be the person that he intended you to be. You might be sitting there and you might feel as though I'm shackled to this job that I hate. But you know what? Everybody thinks that I'm somebody special, but I really can't stand it. You know what? It'll set you free to be able to sit and say, I can walk out of here and I'm comfortable being the person that I am. I don't really care what you think about me. I'm happy because I'm in pursuit of something which is bigger than that. You might be a person who perhaps defines yourself too much about the way you look. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm a big proponent of it. Don't. You have the option to be the dregs or look good. Look good. Just don't invest your identity in it. Don't invest your identity in it. Because the thing about it is, if I don't invest my identity in it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have a bad hair day. I'm glad you got here to have it. You're going to have a bad hair day. That outfit didn't work all that well. And you know what? You're getting a few wrinkles. And I'm okay with it. Why? Because I'm based on truth and I like who I am and I like how I dress and I like my style, but it doesn't define who I am. It'll set you free to get out of that neighborhood that you can't afford and that car that you can't afford, but it's really important for me to drive it because the Joneses and everybody else think I'm somebody special. But what they don't realize is that I'm hocked up to here with it. You know what? It doesn't matter. Go and get rid of the house. Go and get rid of the car. Go and live in a place where you don't have the pressure. And it's a smaller home and it's a happy car. And you know what? I'm fulfilled and I'm okay with that. And I don't care what you think. You know why? My life is based on truth. It'll set you free. It'll set you free to live from a reality and a truth that takes you out of the bondages of having to try and be something for people. It'll set you free from trying to get your affirmation from people. It'll set you free from codependency and spending your life like a leech sucking life off people. I'll be able to sit and go to God and sit and say, I don't need you anymore. I'm happy where I am. God, your identity is so important to God and it's so important to you. It's not something that we can dismiss. And my encouragement to you for this week is this. Be intentional about doing a self-audit. Don't go and get introspective and go and get stuck in the vortex of self and it's about me. And You don't need to show yourself anything. He'll do the job. Just walk in relationship with him. But when you have a situation or a circumstance, use it as a place of learning. Use it as a place of learning. There are too many people, I'll I'll, I'll get into this next week, there are too many people, you know what, we were raised a certain way, and we were comfortable in the way that we were raised, and so that's become us, and you know what it means, I try to live a contemporary existence from my past, and so I'm not able to embrace the future that God has for me, because I can't let go of this stuff, let me give you an example. Um, I tell you, the baby boomer generation was an amazing generation. I promise you, I certainly wouldn't criticize them. I think we could learn a whole lot, and I think 
we, we need to spend a, a whole week just having a look at the baby boomers and what we can learn. But one thing about that generation was men were raised to be functional, but not all that comfortable in the emotional arena. And so it had its perks. My dad was like that. And the funny thing about it is my dad kind of needed to be because when he started the church, he needed to be pretty hardcore with stuff. <laughs> you do. You need to be because I can promise you, everybody's got an opinion about everything and everybody's going to tell you about how things should be and how things should go. And you, you, if you're a person who wants to listen to everybody's opinion, you never get anywhere. You need somebody who's built for certain jobs. And that's what he was built for. He was built for, I don't care what you think. This is what I believe is right. This is what we're doing. And on you go. That's what he was built for. But the thing is, he wasn't the most sensitive person. <laughs> the point is this. Do you want to learn in that environment and sit and say, hold on a second. There's probably a whole arena to my life that if I was just to allow the Holy Spirit to open that up to me, I wonder what it would mean for my marriage. I wonder what that would look like if I was to explore that in a marriage context. I wonder what would happen to my relationship with my kids if I was to kind of put that on the, and allow that, take all the encumbrances are off from the past and just be able to step into that. What would it look like? There are opportunities that are available to us that present themselves in our future, but very often it's dependent on us being able to jettison a lot of stuff from the past. Just because it worked for you when you were a kid doesn't mean that it has to be there for the rest of your life. And sometimes there are better ways. Enjoy the week. Journey with God. Journey with God. I'm telling you, you know what? You think this argument that you're going to have with your wife at some point during this week, you think it's a bad one. It's God working. <laughs> He's saying to you, learn something. Because you know what? When you respond differently the next time around, it changes everything. What happened to the aggression and the person who is so strong? How come you sit and you listen and you intent? You think that doesn't change the dynamic? What I'm saying to you is this. We have far more influence over our world and our situations than we possibly imagine. And if we let God have influence in who we are, you'll be amazed at what he can do in your world. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for incredible people to have a heart after you. I want to thank you for... Yes, Lord. <laughs> He's saying, hurry up, people want to eat, they got lunch. <laughs> Father, I just want to thank you for people who have such a heart after you. I want to thank you, Father, that as they pursue you, I want to thank you for people who lay themselves open to your influence. I pray that you open our eyes of understanding so that in every situation and in every circumstance, rather than throwing mud, put us at a place where we do a little bit of an audit. Give us the opportunity to see some things about ourselves, And I want to thank you, Spirit, that you take us and you introduce us to the truth of what that is. I want to thank you that as we walk through life, stepping into unfolding and walking out of the revelation that you give us, I want to thank you for people who walk into the fullness of what you've created us to be.
I want to thank you for people who are influencers in their world, in their environment, in their relationships, in their marriage, in their business, in their schools. I want to thank you, Father, that there are people who live from destiny, people who understand that there is more than just the status quo. I thank you for your leading and your guiding. I thank you for newness. I thank you for expansiveness. I thank you for people who position for blessing, who know how to grab a hold of it and steward it effectively. I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.